welcome to MindShift, where we explore how mindsets can help you live a life of passion and purpose. On this show, we'll explore how our thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs shape our outlook on life and influence our decisions. We'll talk to experts from various fields and hear from individuals who have transformed their lives by adopting new mindsets. Whether you're feeling stuck, searching for life's purpose, or simply curious about the power of the mind and how it's changing the future, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to MindShift. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button and follow along for some tips and tools on how to become your best self. Today, we are talking about books and really the importance of reading. So this is uh, still part of our fantastic Future Fridays. And with this one, we are just talking about the importance of reading and really understanding just someone's lifetime worth of experience written down to like six to 10 hours. And when we really truly understand the importance of just really surrounding ourselves with the information that's going to help get us to where we're going to go. It truly transforms how we show up daily. It transforms the way our brain processes information. And it really is just this incredible superpower. I mean, our brains are neural nets. So what we're feeding it is constantly going to be what's processing and kind of running the program. So when we can understand like this little concept, and this is the reason why uh, Richard and I are actually in a mastermind book club. Uh, if you guys are interested in participating in it, feel free to send me an email. We'll get you in there. And uh, and we read a book a month. We discuss it every Tuesday. But the the power of reading in a group like that is also there's all these different perspectives. Like Richard's reading with me. We have a few others in there that are reading with us. And there's always just this different perspective of people that understand stuff that that we don't. And uh, And that even concept came from the book Principles by Ray Dalio of the importance of surrounding yourselves with people that have different views than you, different life experiences, different perspectives. And as we do, we understand that they can see something this way or this way. And we put more pieces to the puzzle of like, oh, wow, this is, this is how reality works. This is, uh, you know, all kinds of different um, simultaneous universes, if you will, that are surround us all the time. And so um, and Richard here always has some great input and always has some great uh, just things that come out as he's uh, going through this with us. And so I'm really excited for uh, for both of us to be able to share kind of what this is all about. Yeah, I'm excited too, Cody. Like I, I love reading. I've always loved reading since I was a kid. And with all these screens these days, I've noticed, you know, with kids, it's it's really hard to get them to read. Why read? <laughs> Everything's yeah. read for you. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's just, it's interesting to me because that was what they were complaining about when we were kids and we barely even had any screens. We had video games and maybe a computer in the house. You know, that's how old we are. But like, yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It's, we were like outside all the time as kids, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I was definitely like constantly in the river playing kickball with my friends, you know, whatever it was. But, um, but yeah, getting kids to read and understand like the importance of it is just huge. And and I've always read from a very, very young age. I'm, I'm very thankful that my parents raised me that way because I was just always interested in it. And by the time I was even in like, uh, you know, grade school, middle school, when I was getting tested on reading, I had a, a high, high reading level uh, way above most of my peers. But 
it really uh, kind of kept on my whole life and really accelerated as I really started understanding different stuff about like why it's so important. Absolutely. I, uh, I read, I was kind of the same similar situation I was reading. I, I remember being a kid in the, in classroom and we had the book that we would be reading for that semester or whatever, or whatever it was. And I would just steal it, take it home, finish it overnight so I could read my own book and then just follow along. <laughs> Cause I was like, this is too slow. I can't stand this. I just want to know what happens and then I can move on so I can take my tests and read my own books. So yeah. uh, your your uh, little book club has been kind of the funnest uh, little addition to my life right now is being able to look forward to Tuesdays and discussing these amazing books that you have collected, this compendium of life-changing books and knowledge. So I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's been it's been an amazing experience. And really, it's a really uh, great way to network. And that's the um, really goal of a lot of the stuff that I do is like, I really want to connect with amazing individuals with different perspectives. So I can just constantly do better and like, oh, so that's how you do that. Cool. You know, and just just continuous. So our first book we're talking about is the book Abundance by Deepak Chopra. And this one is really understanding how Abundance is a, a part of reality, really understanding how abundance is it's it's interwoven with everyday life. Like you cannot escape like escape monetary or just really this understanding that we live in a world of abundance. We're getting more abundant every single day. There's another great book called uh, Abundance, which is um, the the future is better than you think. And that's by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. And it's really along these same lines of showing the more like kind of the data of how we are getting more and more abundant as a species, as a world of like resources, like we're not running out of resources. That's a, a complete myth. And I think that we need to get, get our heads around something else. And like, if you really want more food, then grow more food. You know, there's, there's ways to do it and realizing that abundance is literally a part of the human experience, I think is, is really what was so powerful about this book. Yeah. That was one of my favorites is, you know, coming from a lower middle class. I'm not going to say I was ever truly poor, but I did not have, you know, just exorbitant toys. My parents were like, no, <laughs> all the time. We don't have the money for that. And I get it. They were focusing on themselves for retirement and stuff. And they did not, but they did not just buy us whatever we wanted. And there was a lot of, because of that, I've grown up in my life where I, I, I never have enough. I never have enough is my mindset. And this book completely flipped that on, on its head and was like, you got to stop thinking in those terms, especially what I loved about abundance and Deepak Chopra's abundance was the um, combination of bringing together how abundant energy and thinking and actual like material things are in the world, but also from a yoga standpoint and how, you know, your chakras and everything can be depleted and how you have to keep them full. And that all correlates with your surroundings. If you feel abundant, then around you is going to be abundant as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that you brought in the mindset around it because that's truly what this is all about. And 
you know, I also grew up, you know, pretty, um, at one point pretty poor. We never were actually stayed there. We were like, you know, uh, maybe trying to be on the edge of the, the middle-class type of deal. But I also had a very incredible childhood. Like I really did. Like, you know, I still got a snowboard and ride dirt bikes and I do look at the stuff that a lot of people that as I got older, I realized oh, a lot of people don't have that experience. So it was more of like the, you know, lower middle class. We still struggled. We still had a lot of bills, a lot of debt, all that kind of stuff. But uh, we were still a very, very abundant family in some ways that uh, you don't really truly realize until you become an adult. And what's really cool about when we understand really how abundant everything is, I mean, just 50, 100 years ago, we don't have, we, we wouldn't have a fraction of the technology and the ways that like, you and I don't know what it's like to not have refrigeration, you know, not to have to like dig this giant hole and put it in a cellar and, and a lot of stuff would still go bad. And this is the the result of all this progress. So there was a really interesting question I heard recently, which was, would you rather have a million dollars a hundred years ago, or would you rather have a hundred thousand dollars today? And their answer was like, oh, by far a hundred thousand dollars today. And I, I think that's very fascinating because I think sometimes we think like, oh man, not only is a million dollars a lot of money, but a million dollars a lot of money a hundred years ago. It's a, a ton of money a hundred years ago, but they would have traded all that money to have the technology and luxuries and like life of, of the lower class citizens have today. Like there's almost no one. I mean, there's some people that don't participate or, or maybe some, some exceptions, of course, but there's almost no one that doesn't have a cell phone and your cell phone, your smartphone has more access to more information, to more technology than what Bill Clinton had when he was president, which is kind of mind blowing. I mean, it really truly is. So we have to understand that we absolutely live in abundant world. And because of everything that's happening, we are accelerating abundance and really the the best thing about yoga and kind of the the nature of of all of it of how reality works is that the more we align the chakras the more we align the energy within ourselves the more we surround ourselves with the things we want in life, where we're going, then the more we start uh, really fully accepting it into like our world, this idea of abundance and how it's the fabric of reality. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, it's like you said in your childhood that it's like I had so much and, you know, I was raised pretty pretty religiously and so we were always told be grateful be grateful be thankful but it was never there was always a i want to say a a vibe of there isn't enough there isn't enough milk there isn't enough juice you know don't touch the thermostat that's expensive and so even though we had all these things like i didn't get to go snowboarding or anything like that uh, my parents were pretty uh, <laughs> overbearing, made sure that we were always within sight. We didn't we didn't have unsupervised, <laughs> you know, we were always with somebody. But um, the uh, we grew up on farms. We had a pool in the backyard. But every time we went to the store, it was a very strict what we could have 
you know, if you asked, sometimes you got it. Sometimes it was like you got in trouble. Most of the time it was just no, <laughs> you know, like shut up kid or whatever. But sometimes you got some, got something, but you had to ask. And it just gives this vibe of like, there's not enough in the world. And it's just crazy. It's just like you said, what, how much more time would we have spent if there was zero refrigeration? Like the majority of my childhood was playing because there's refrigeration, there's electricity, there was a pool, <laughs> like I didn't have to go out to the lake, you know, like there was, we had a cow, so we had as much milk as we wanted for a little bit. But then once the cow was gone, we couldn't drink milk anymore. The cow is a really funny story. When we grew up in California, there was no cows. It was in the heart of Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley, Granada Hills, north hollywood area and so <laughs> it was i i specifically remember this memory because it was so drastic was i loved milk me and my brother loved milk and we um were always told don't drink milk drink juice drink juice drink juice what's funny is is i cannot drink juice at the the amount of like sugar content it is because my dad also watered down the juice <laughs> it's like so instead of the two to three cups of water it'd be like a gallon of water to one of those frozen juice concentrate things mm -hmm. and so now as an adult i hate things that make my mouth sticky because i never drank juice that that sweet i couldn't stand it we moved to texas get a cow and then he's like don't drink juice drink milk because we had so much milk that we couldn't even get rid of it <laughs> it was just this constant like okay what do you want and then we moved back to california we didn't have the cow and guess what we went back to drinking juice and so it was just this constant idea that whatever was uh not as common or more expensive we couldn't have and and there's a certain aspect to that where you got to do that obviously but not having anyone to tell you or read you know abundance but like how we can incorporate abundance into our lives and especially our children's lives and teach them to be grateful and to start thinking about how much there is in the world if you want juice you have to go find that juice you got to go create that juice you know you can work for it whatever and i'm not saying juice in particular but i'm just saying i, I really would love to see the next generation and and everyone start to incorporate that even though i don't have something i have so much that getting that is almost it's nothing it's nothing to obtain anything right now we live in a time where everything's obtainable and these concepts are thousands of years old <laughs> you know, when, when we didn't even have anywhere near, but it's this perpetuating movement of, of the human species of just constantly perpetuating abundance and creating more and creating more and creating more. It's this, it's man becoming gods in the sense that we, we don't stop creating. We're constantly making new things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a, it's really fascinating how uh, abundant we are and when we shift the perspective of even our childhood we see abundance everywhere like there's no escaping it and uh, I'm curious so so with everything you just shared and with um, with the idea of abundance and and even you know like you when I went to the grocery store it wasn't usually no if I wanted something there was every once in a while uh, there, I got to hold no more than I ever did. Yes. And to this day, it's hard for me to not go to the clearance section first or even buy me something because it's just, oh, I don't need that. I have plenty, you know, like, and I am grateful that I, that I feel that way, that I 
you know, that I have plenty, but it's also okay to, to treat yourself sometimes. That's been kind of hard for me to shift out of. And the more I do, the more empowering it is. So I'm just curious how, uh, how hard has it been for you? Is it something you shift out of yet? Uh, is it something that you're shifting out of? Like you're noticing it more and more and then you're like, okay, let's change this perspective. Or is it still kind of, kind of hard to change that perspective? There's a certain aspect to that that changed. One of the, I think, most detrimental things that I've, I learned in childhood, especially for my health, was to finish everything on your plate. I had the worst eating. I would eat until I was sick because if I didn't finish my food, I didn't get dessert. If I didn't finish my food on my plate, I was in trouble. I couldn't watch a movie. I couldn't play video games. And so at, uh, I want to say around 19, 20, 21, I was still doing that and it really hurt. And my grandma was like, are you full? And I said, yeah, and I was still eating. And she's like, you know, you don't have to eat that. We have plenty. You can just throw it away. And that was the first time in my life because I was always told, you know, there's children starving in Africa, eat everything, you know, like, and that's, that's that perpetuation of there's not enough when there is enough and it sucks for the children in any country that can't get enough. We need to figure that out. But the mind, you you have to have that mindset. If you're going into the world going, there's not enough for everyone. There's no solution to that. But when you have the solution that there is enough, then there is a solution to feed everybody and make more food, like you said. But the reason I bring up this story, and this is years before I ever read this book, is because that kind of changed my mindset on and kind of got me on this thing of like, there is enough, like I don't have to like force feed myself there. I don't have to like rush, but that was like for physical aspects, Deepak Chopra, in this book really got it into my head. So, and what I mean by that is just, I, my thoughts, like most human beings are just, they go to the negative. And this book is really more about the positive in things. And it's just like, what sucks about life? Take five minutes, say, fuck it, move on, <laughs> you know, like, but it's not just that, like for me, I want to get to a place in my life where I don't even need that five minutes, that no matter what happens, there's something that is, that is something to be grateful for and something that is fulfilling within loss because we are surrounded by so much beauty and so, and the abundance of all of life around us that there's got, there's always got to be something to be grateful for, even within the depths of despair. And I know that's hard. I'm not saying we're going to get good at it. And I'm not saying that horrible things are yet to happen to me that will will test that. But that's really where the book hit me is like now I'm I'm thinking about my thoughts and I'm 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 trying to incorporate that abundance in my life when I'm sitting here and I'm kind of broke. I'm trying to start a whole new career path with you and being in Alaska. My thoughts are like, man, I'm screwed. Like I I, I got debt. I got all these problems. But with this book now, I'm like, I'm actually not screwed. I'm warm. There's a nice wood burning, you know, pellet stove keeping the house warm. There's like a perpetual infinite amount of water. I got a bed. I got a dog. Like all these amazing things that make me feel loved and secure are here. And I'm sitting here bitching about the things I don't have. Why? Because I'm not 
focusing on abundance. I'm focusing on uh, the the opposite of abundance. <laughs> I can't think of the word right now. The um, lack. I'm, th- I'm, 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 I'm focusing on lack of things. Yeah, yeah and, and it's, a, it it's sucks. a really interesting um, perspective when we've lived in the world of lack, like like I think you and I both have for, for a long time. I mean, <clears throat> probably even a little bit more when we first met each other, even though we weren't trying to, it was just part of you know, let's get enough, let's get enough. And, and I, you know, I definitely want to be abundant in everything I'm doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to uh, create abundance in every aspect of my life, but then I also didn't recognize that I was already creating abundance in most parts of my life. You know, like I, I have an amazing vehicle that can pretty much go anywhere. I have, you know, an amazing home, amazing family, just so, so much that I'm, that I have created and, you know, even this podcast from where I started, I mean, it's, it's a hard process to start a podcast and, and grow it, you know, and especially when you don't know what you're doing, you've never done it before, then the, the odds are kind of against you. But when you figure it out and you realize that, you know, you do have value in what you're doing, then you truly understand the, the importance of abundance. And so, one thing that I think is just uh, super important with all this, and this is kind of kind of tie in here in a little bit with the the second book that we're about finished with now, is really surrounding yourself with people and beliefs that are challenging you to grow. Like for me, I want to think way bigger than what I once thought possible. And you hear on the show all the time that I want to go to to space. I'm going to space. And there's uh, some really cool things that have happened to me as a result of just kind of changing my mindset around this. And actually, my name was on the, oh, um, I'm forgetting the name of it. Artemis is what it was. The Artemis rocket that our artist one that just went and did the uh, like recon mission, if you will, around the moon. And uh, my name was on a flash drive that actually went around the moon, which is just so, so freaking cool to me. But, uh, you know, for those that are watching this on on YouTube or watching this wherever, there is um, a, a astronaut hoodie that I'm wearing. And it just reminds me of, of what I'm doing, of where I'm going, of why it's so important to uh, think bigger than yourself, surround yourself with stuff that's going to remind you of who you are, of where you're going, of what you're building, and start taking tiny steps to get there. So tiny habits that are truly going to get us there. And I really do think vision boards and, and visual aspects of that, because that's kind of how our mind thinks is, is in pictures. And when we tell ourselves a story of who we are, where we're going, then it starts changing reality, starts changing the possibilities. Your brain starts putting together the puzzle pieces to get you to where, where you want to go from what you're constantly surrounding yourself with. And you know, besides just this hoodie, I'm going to share my screen here. And this uh, banner is actually uh, hanging right above my bed. And it's there to remind me of who I am, of where I'm going, of just all these incredible aspects of, of what I want to create in my life. And so here it is. And it's just this, this astronaut kneeling for those listening on Spotify or, or Apple or wherever. It's an astronaut kneeling in the cosmos and it's like a, 
kind of like superhero power stance when they like fall from a bridge or something. <laughs> but it's uh, it's just this really fun reminder of who I am, of where I'm going, of what I'm creating in my life. And that's what's uh, what's so important about creating and and what we you know talk about when we say create the life that you most want surround yourself with the things that are going to get you there all of that stuff and so one really powerful way to do this is to see the thought don't be the thought and that's really um, such an incredible powerful tool that's been the shift in my life which is when you can see that you are the observer of your own thoughts then you can separate yourselves from the thought itself. You can actually really, really kind of be grateful for the process. It doesn't mean you're not going to have hardships. It's not mean, it doesn't mean you're not going to have challenging thoughts. It doesn't mean that you're not um, going to be human, you know, but what it does do is helps you see that you are not your thought. You are the one that observes your thought. And once we can truly understand this concept and, you know, thank goodness we're not our thoughts. We have so many thoughts during the day and some of them not so nice, you know, especially like towards others. And, and sometimes you get like these little moments that can irritate you. But the beautiful thing is, is you don't act on it. Usually you can like snap out of it. And, you know, as soon as something positive happens, you really don't even think about that, that thought anymore. But it's so important to really, truly understand this, because when we do then we can have this beautiful process. You can take five minutes and be irritated, be angry, you know, and I think it's really important to, to acknowledge your emotions with whatever you're doing, even if you can't process them at that moment, moment, you know, just kind of taking the time and saying, look, I see that you're angry. I see that you even may be resentful. I see that you may be hurt. I can't deal with this right now. I need time to process this. So I acknowledge you and I see you. Now I'm going to set this aside for, you know, however many hours until you can actually look at it again. And, and I know we've said this before, but oftentimes we don't really even need to deal with it before. Or when we do deal with it, it's not nearly as much of a thing because your subconscious started processing what's going on. And so it's uh, just this beautiful concept. And I'm really, really excited to hear Richard's perspective on this because um, this is his first time going through the book. This is my second time, but I'm also doing the journal with it. And this is called The Untethered Soul. And that's by Michael Singer. And and one thing that I always suggest, like I think everybody should read this book. Like I think high schoolers should read this book. I think when you're exiting high school, you should also read this book. I think that it's a book that could be revisited every year, every other year, and and even the workbook and journal that goes with it. Because guys, when you have a book and it asks you to do exercises, it was the same thing in abundance. It's because you get to experience the book. Like literally you experience the book differently because you actually get to do the exercises and feel and understand what they're talking about. And that's what's so important. So Richard, what is it like to uh, to start seeing your thoughts and uh, and what were some things surprise you? And I really am kind of interested on in your perspective of because uh, you were kind of alluding to this in the last book, but changing those thoughts and not necessarily putting energy into those negative thoughts. And this is also kind of why I wanted to do the untethered soul after this, because it really truly helps kind of put the practices in to do this. So what were uh, maybe some of the challenges or um, some of the things that you really 
you know, the insights that uh, you got from, from going through the untethered soul? Well, I think it's actually quite fortuitous or you're just kind of a, <laughs> a genius when it comes to picking, but doing abundance first and then the untethered soul second uh, for me reading it in that order was fascinating. So abundance got me to that point of like, start thinking about how much I have the bed, this, but there's only some of this. It's basically like someone who's depressed and just said, Hey, think about positive things, right? Like it's good. It helps. But when you're depressed, it just feels like his task, this monumental task of like, Oh, okay. I'm grateful. I have my cat. I'm grateful. I have this. And, and it's like, it's just like this annoying mantra that you have to say. And for me, abundance had some some spark. It wasn't annoying. It was actually kind of fun to go looking for like how much I have. Someone let me borrow a car and now I have wheels around town. I'm so grateful for them. I have, I'm doing this podcast on a, on iMac, (laughs) you know, like I've, I've got this nice microphone set up that I was able to afford. Like I have things. But the thing is, is that those negative thoughts don't stop. And that's where the untethered soul comes in. The untethered soul is the closest I can tell anyone who wants to read it. It's the closest to a spiritual experience <laughs> because it is going beyond any concepts that I've really understood. I've had concepts about this, but not in a way that I could use it. And so in the untethered soul, it's looking at your physical self, then your internal self, and then separating from the internal self. And I don't know why, but I had never actually done that. I had always used my internal self to separate my physical self and be like, what the hell am I thinking over there? Oh, what the heck is that guy doing? You know, like looking around like, oh, this 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 dish tastes like crap, but this guy made a good chili, you know, like, you know, those are the thoughts, but never have I thought, why am I not thinking about that? Why did this guy's food taste like crap? Why do why does it make me feel that way? And why does this chili make me? And so that's what's so amazing about the other tethered soul is it's not just telling you to be positive. It's telling you to search and look at what your thoughts are saying. So if my go-to thoughts sitting right here in front of a $1,700 iMac is my life sucks. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, (laughs) why does my life suck? And why did you say that? And having like a second inner monologue on top of the impulsive inner monologue, I had never been broken down that way for me. And that's, that was the, the epiphany and the magic of the the uh, untethered soul. It was just absolutely amazing to kind of start understanding that there's three beings. There's the physical, there's the mental, and then there's the viewer. <laughs> you know, there's the true you that's in there, but is a not necessarily a slave, but I want to say a machine or a component of a machine that is controlled by base impulses and to get past those impulses, to get above those instincts, which humans have always been good at doing. We are the most, one of the most complex, mentally complex animals to ever exist. And so we're always getting out of our, our, our natural inclinations, but the idea that you can do it inside your head for just you, and it's not this like societal species thing, 
It's fascinating. And this book will absolutely change your life. One of my favorite parts is I quit smoking a long time ago. But one of my favorite parts was just, if you don't want to smoke, don't do it. And then pay attention. Why are you going to smoke? Why do you want that cigarette? What's telling you to take the cigarette? Is it you or just your brain? Because your brain isn't you. And that's that's an insane thought. Like most people never think about that to them. Their brain is them and they can't escape those thoughts. And that's what I really loved about this book. And especially combining it with abundance and having abundance go first, you're always already kind of getting the positive blood flowing through your veins. Like I got this, I'm going to be more positive, but you know, six months from now, you're going to be back into your negative because the negative is always more powerful than the positive when you're trying to get out of that. Obviously, positive is more powerful than negative, but it's hard to escape the negative. And this to this book, especially with the workbook and the journaling, it gives you a, a powerful tool to actually become the essence of abundance and to escape the negative draws that your brain takes you on. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um it's absolutely incredible the the ability to understand that you are not your thoughts that your your brain your meat suit here is it's just a meat suit but we have the power to to surround ourselves with so much more and and even let's say we are a brain let's just go go out there and say maybe like this is all there is maybe you are your brain well your brain still creates the thoughts so you can still be in there and see that you're not your thoughts because the thoughts are still created in somewhere but you yourself are not that thought you know that thought actually has to exist before it ever even entered into your brain your brain is just interpreting experiences and um, just how how things happen usually from your traumas from your programming so this uh this programming of filtering reality you know let's say you uh, and this is an example in the untethered soul you see a blue car and you know it was the blue car of someone you didn't like and so every time you see that model of that blue car you start getting irritated you start seeing these emotions coming up you start understanding that you know something bad something negative something perceived negative happened to you in the past you know and really it wasn't even that bad. It really wasn't even a, a thing that once you can, can look back at it and even ask yourself how, like take radical self-accountability. How did I cause part of this? You maybe you didn't cause the whole thing. You know, when we stop playing the victim in our own story and ask like how I contributed to whatever circumstance that like, you know, it's kind of painful to look at. Well, then we can start changing our perspective of how we've shown up. We can start like changing our perspective of, you know, the being the victim in our own story. And one thing that was just really powerful, as Richard said, was the the journaling part of it. So you can go into your circumstances, your past, your things, and really start understanding that uh, the more we do this, then the the more we change um, our programming, the program we were just talking about, and I just wanted to uh, take a second and actually read the very first prompt from, from the Untethered Soul Journal and how it actually really, really helps us uh, kind of understand the essence of what's going on in the Untethered Journal and how to start maybe even uh, applying this, even if you haven't read it yet. And guys, 
whatever you do, start reading books, like start reading about stuff that fascinates you. And if you can, uh, if you can read Untethered Soul, like that, that book is absolutely incredible and such a powerful tool for us to just show up better in our daily lives. So the first prompt is in case you haven't noticed, you have a mental dialogue going on inside your head that never stops. It just keeps going and going. Have you ever wondered why it talks in there? How does it decide what to say and when to say it? How much of what it says turns out to be true? How much of what it says is even important? And if right now you are hearing, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any voice inside my head. That's the voice we're talking about. Begin the practice of noticing your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. They are something, they are something you are aware of. When you close your eyes and listen within, what thoughts do you hear? What is it like to be aware that your mind is talking? And honestly, that first prompt is so powerful. It's truly the essence of, of what we're talking about here. And when we can observe that chatter in our head, even picture it as something outside of us, and you just be like, man. And, and you know, this is also a concept from the untethered soul. If you can picture your thoughts as this crazy roommate and just ask yourself, would you put up with that roommate with this constant like chatter of both sides of, oh, man, that guy didn't even wave back to you. What a jerk. Oh, do you remember that dog in the park? That dog was cool. Oh, man, that other dog was pretty ugly, though. So you don't like all dogs. And then just constant chatter. <laughs> you would be like, dude, you got to shut up. You're too much right now. Like there's absolutely no way that you would put up with someone like that. But that's what it's like in our, in our own head. When we don't pay attention to this, when we don't meditate, when we don't like do these simple things to become present and then also start noticing the thought and, and not judging them, even just letting them go, just letting them pass. And even being thankful for the different experiences we have for the experience that they are. That's what living in the present really is. Right. It's like, we can just continuously let this thought go. We can picture it as a bubble floating up and out of our consciousness. And we more we practice it, the more we're able to do it. You know, meditation is a great tool for that, but it also helps you become present in every single moment. Oh man, I'm enjoying this fish right now. You know, right now in my life, I'm enjoying this amazing conversation with Richard. And the more I'm able to stay present in the conversation, the better conversation we can have. And it's really this uh, idea that whatever you're doing, stay present, stay present and savor it and enjoy it completely. And any thoughts that pop up, just let them go. Observe it, maybe acknowledge it, and then just let them go. But we can do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to say that the page before was one of my favorite was come to know the one who watches the voice and you will come to know one of the great mysteries of creation. And that really was the the whole point of the book and how... I felt reading that book was just, holy cow, like I can actually watch my thoughts. I can separate because I want to say it's just to me, my thoughts was the one watching. I never separated that. And so there was aspects of it in my life where I had separated from those thoughts, but I never consciously did it. And this book really made that conscious. It, 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 it very clearly stated like, no, 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 no. This is a tool that you have access to. Why the hell aren't you using it? And once you start using it, things are going to change. And that was 
it was a very powerful aspect of the book. Yeah, I remember the bad roommate. Like I kind of got the idea that it's just like the difference between those like crazy bad roommates or like rude people and like people like you and me at these like before this book is like they don't have a filter. You and me are at least filtering what we say, but everything they say, what makes us uncomfortable is what we're thinking anyways. They're just saying it. And then you got to keep going. You got to go back one more third or further. You know, it's, it's the inception of the mind. There's the physical reality, the mental reality, and then the, I guess, the intelligent reality, the intelligence behind the mental. So you can actually process that emotional and mental version of yourself inside your head that just says whatever the hell it wants, whenever the hell it wants, and it thinks horrible things. Sometimes it thinks amazing things. But if you're not tearing it down and going, why are you thinking so, so amazing right now? Why are you thinking so depressing right now? Why are you thinking such horrible thoughts or so macabre, you know, like whatever, wherever your brain goes, are you actually viewing and paying attention to what it is thinking? And are you looking at it as a separate entity? Because that's the only way you're going to control it. It's the only way you're going to get it to start complying with the world and the reality that you want to live in. Do you want to live in a place of lack or do you want to live in a place of abundance? Do you want to live in a place of darkness and despair or do you want to live in a place of hope and love? And like the only way to do that is if you're separating yourself from those thoughts and going, why did I think that? Why are you saying that? What's wrong with you? Like, think about it as your best friend who's suicidal. What are you going to do? You're going to sit him down. You're going to ask him questions. You're going to try to help them. Why aren't you doing it for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And even I think going beyond that too, which is is what you were alluding to, is um, at a certain point, then you just understand that a thought's going to pop into your head and it's going to pop out of your head and you can just observe it. Like the whole process, you can observe it coming in. You can say even mentally thanks but you're not needed and then you can just enjoy whatever's happening and the float will flow, flow on and it's so just beautiful of just being able to i mean it's it's not separating yourself from reality itself it's just enjoying reality for the experience of whatever it is and moving on and and not being stuck anywhere and it's the most beautiful way to um experience life and really understand you have, you know, this is one thing that was a byproduct of watching my decisions, my beliefs of everything that that is me is what's my motivation for what I'm doing. And I don't think people often understand that we have a motivation for anything we're doing. So if we're constantly coming home and saying, oh, man, life sucks, work is horrible. I really just hate that I have to work so hard to get ahead. Well, you just said your core belief there. And as long as you continuously feel that way, and as long as your mind is like literally just picturing life this way, because that's how we create reality is we give pictures in our mind and the picture of growing old and supporting a family is I'm going to work. I'm going to grind. This is what we're going to do. Then your brain is going to automatically find more reasons to start doing that. And so what's my motivation behind what I'm saying is my motivation because I don't feel like I've ever been enough. Is my motivation maybe, well, this is what my father showed me as a little kid. So I felt, I feel like subconsciously I have to do the same. And usually what, what I found anyway, is when I had this kind of subconscious belief of the grind and work hard and, 
you know, it'll be essentially a miracle if you ever get to where you want to go. But yet I'm trying to create abundance. I'm trying to really create the most incredible life that I could ever dream and inspire and talk to people about how they can do the same thing. Well, then I can't have this dichotomy of beliefs. <laughs> I can't keep feeding my brain this picture of how hard and, and the grind and all of the stuff that surrounds that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's kind of like that book, the, the secret is just perpetuating what is coming and actually just in a sense, pretending to live in that. But what sucks about pretending is you kind of know it's a lie. And what I liked about this book in abundance is there's no lie. Everything that you're believing in isn't the lie. It's focusing on what's true in your life. No matter how bad it is, there's something you got going good for you. Focus on that good. Don't try to make stuff up to be happy about. Just be happy about the things that are there. That's really, really important. And I think that's one of the big takeaways from abundance and this book is abundance brings the awareness um, and tethered soul gives you the tools to how to use that awareness to just create more abundance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. And, uh, and what a beautiful place to, to kind of tell her off, tell her off on this episode is just really, if, if you guys want a very powerful tool to help upgrade your life and just really understand you then check out the untethered soul and then abundance by Deepak Chopra is an amazing tool to realize how to align with, uh, with true abundance, which is, I believe every human's, uh, ability and right. If they truly, truly want to do that, you know? So, um, also just to give you an idea, I'm actually rereading abundance. I listen to it every night on my audible going to bed, because I still don't completely understand all of the chakra things and I like, and how abundance fits into the chakras. Like I know what chakras are. I know what they were for, but this different mindset of money and abundance within yoga and how it affects the different chakras was like whew, over my head for the moment. And I was also listening to it while doing other things. So maybe I just missed it, but I am rereading the book because both these books were just absolutely mind-boggling and you cannot get everything from it in one reading. It's impossible. It's just, it's just impossible. I totally agree with that. It's a book that I'll probably go through once a year as well, just because it's it's a powerful book and there's a lot of really just good uh, tips and tools and nuggets in there that I think anybody can benefit from. If, if any of you guys listening are interested in being part of this uh, Mastermind Book Club, uh, send us an email. It's mindshift, M-I-N-D shift at uh, 212 at gmail.com. Again, mindshift212 at gmail.com. We'd love to have you guys join us and uh, and really benefit from people that take, took the time to help us understand some of these concepts. Heck yeah, I'm, I'm super appreciative of all of our listeners and everybody that brought you and me together as well as these books and this fantastic future Fridays. Like, you know, you got to be grateful. Uh, it's just life is so abundant with relationships and networking right now that it's, it's really coming together this year. And I'm having a lot of fun doing this with you, Cody. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you here, man. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. <laughs>